sure. Look at that. I want to read. I just want to read a portion of scripture that's. Um, it, it's not entirely what I what I want to share on, but I felt this. If you guys want to go to, Ryan actually might have it there. And <laughs> chunk of stuff I sent you, but from One Thessalonians, right in the beginning of One Thessalonians, um, it's basically a chunk of the first chapter. Okay, there we go. I'm just going to read it with us. So here we go. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work, produced by faith, your labor, prompted by love, your endurance, inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. And then he goes on to say, yeah, the report about you, I don't even, I don't even need to talk about you as a church because what you've done is ringing out um, outside of you and beyond. And it's like there's so many keys in those verses, right? If you really go through those verses, the first thing that jumped out of me, oh, yes, Lord, as believers, we have work to do and we have labor to do and we and we call to endure. So often people go, I just rest in what Christ has done for me. And on one hand, we do. But as we do that and we have the Holy Spirit's inspiration and power, we have a, a life of work and labor and endurance. And it should be a joy in him. Outside of him, those words are not the greatest words in the world. They sound quite heavy, don't they? But in coming here, uh, verse 7 uh, is the one that really stood out for me for you guys in Gordon's Bay. And so you, church in Gordon's Bay, became a model to all the believers, perhaps in the surrounding areas. But the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith has become known everywhere. And I had the sense of like this Faith in you guys as a congregate, a fairly new group of people, that actually the Lord, I don't know what's been prophesied or spoken over you. I don't know anything. I don't have a clue. We were here once. Sean and Chantel were on leave, taking a well-deserved break. I think you just had COVID, or you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kevin was here, and we and we had a good time. And like, I, that's all I know. As I came here once and met some of you guys, but it felt like there's some, and the word reverberated came to me. That your faith, the work of faith, the labor of love, and the endurance that you have in the Lord because of the Holy Spirit, you, it's going to reverberate. And I, I know there's mountains around here. And just a picture of like faith reverberating off of mountains into regions way beyond where God's placed you. And I just felt to really encourage you with that before I preach. I think he has that for you. And it feels like it was a witness. The Spirit was saying that over you guys. And then Taryn didn't know about that scripture. She's my wife. She knew what I was going to share on next. But she came to me at the tea table at the back. And uh, do you want to share it, love? She just had a 
word, which I think ties in and encourages me on this one. Yeah, hi. Hello, everybody. Um, so, yeah, just doing prayer, I um, kept hearing loud um, bells, like church bells, actually. Loud, ding, dong, ding, dong. Loud church bells. <laughs> and I, I just couldn't get out of my head and coming into, um, even, I was talking to, I think, Bruce. I was talking to Bruce, I'm still hearing this ding, dong, ding, dong, and going to the tea, and I just felt God's, like, just, I, I don't really know what he was saying about that, but I just felt it was something of God that he was saying to you guys, and it, it was this loud church bell sound that obviously Neil then said to me, he had that scripture, and it rings out, and I feel like that is um, completely in, in unity with what Neil, um, the scripture of um, you guys ringing out, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Lavi. Yeah, it's beautiful. So just see that in the Lord for you. Don't. Uh, Lilani also said a word of just perception change. And I'm going to try and summarize what she felt in worship. But two chairs, and on the one is a worldly person, unbeliever, looking out and just looking at everything through a practical lens and practically what lies ahead in life. And then on the other chair was someone facing the same practical challenges, questions of life but actually having a totally different lens and therefore a, a perception change and perceiving the practicalities of life through a different lens, the Holy Spirit lens, and therefore everything changes. I hope I did that okay. <laughs> but just an encouragement to get the right lens, right perspective, make sure that the Holy Spirit is showing you that work and labor and endurance is in the Lord is from Him and it's with Him and it's empowered by Him. Small beginnings, but great things in Him. Okay, now I'm going to share, and I really felt to do one thing first. Is actually to ask the Greenpoint guys to come up and stand next to me, because I know they love doing that. It's all about breaking fear of man, Lord. <laughs> now I'm teasing, I'm teasing. This because I love these guys, man. These, this is our family, and you are too, but it's kind of extended. We still have to have those dinners and really, but this is family. And um, our, Taryn and my kiddies are, are in the kids' church. Ruben and Rebecca, but this is my wife, Taryn, and this is Lilani. She joined us from Stellenbosch a few years back, and uh, she's not allowed to go back. And then uh, Morris and Rochelle joined us. They're fresh out of the free state. Um, and uh, this is Shell. He's actually originally from Mozambique, but most of his life in Johannesburg. Nicole uh, from Cape Town, one of the few <laughs> in our church. Nicole. And Nicole and then Devilton and Ed actually been with us for probably the longest, I think, in this crew, most, most of the time, actually, yeah, from the, pretty much the beginning. But um, I, like the reason we do this is because of this family. And God adds family, the lonely, first into family, then he builds us together, and he does something through us, and then into extended family. I'd say, like, everything is worth it. Because Paul says, even in the Thessalonians letter, is that what is our crown and what is our joy? When he's talking about Paul, Silas, and Timothy. What is their crown and joy if it's not you, the church? And so Sean, Chantel, Rian, Esther, ourselves, and others who lead, and many of you who have gone leading, this is our crown and joy. As we see one another mature and grow in the Lord and go into the things that he has, this is the beauty of one day. Our reward will be actually in the saints and in the people of God. Isn't it beautiful? So this is a little portion of our family in Greenpoints. Hopefully they're behaving. Hopefully they're behaving without us. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, thanks, guys. Maybe call on some of you just now. You want to share a picture? Yeah, okay. Please add to them. 
I do, yeah, I just want to add to that. I think there's a picture that I had, like, while we were even um, praying, and again here when we were worshiping, and again when I was sitting in the chair, and again when I was coming back, and this picture just keeps building, and it's that of a basket. It's that of a basket that is weaved together. So, you know, you've got so many different parts of a basket that get weaved together. You've got the ones that go this way. You've got the ones that go down. You've got another one that's the handle. You've got another set of weaving items that's the base. And it was just for me such a picture of how we all, different congregations, knit together, but so that we can carry others. And it was just such a beautiful picture, as Neil's talking about, like more meals together, more things like this together. It just creates a basket for others, not for ourselves. Beautiful, Nicole. Thank you. Yeah, awesome, man. It is so good to get out, you know, to change the scenery is one of the healthiest things in life. I wish I did it more. Does anyone else feel like when you go and when you change the scenery, how you come along, whether it's a holiday or, so please come to Greenpoint sometime. We're going to soon be... We're going to soon be C-Point, where we can actually, you guys could come to our new venue in from late July, and you could all fit there, because it's going to be a big school, so you have to come. You must come. So what is the one thing that I want to say to church in Gordons Bay today? That is always the hardest question when you're preparing, right? Because you've got a million things to say, but what's the one? It's pretty hard. But I think if I had to nail it to one, it would be uh, be wholehearted as a, as a body of believers, and don't hold anything back. I think Sean will love that. Eh? Rian will love that. I know they will. Don't be half-hearted. Throw everything and hold nothing back. That would be it. And I think to start, just to ask four questions. And I'll try to summarize them at the end as best as I can. But the questions would be these. Uh, are you fully immersed in Jesus? Is everyone here today fully immersed in the Lord? And I know you will think firstly of water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism, and that's good. I'll read a scripture from Romans 6, uh, a few scriptures, Romans 6, verse 1 to 4. And it goes like this, Paul writes, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so there's that picture of baptism, one of the loveliest scriptures of being immersed in our baptism into not only the death, but also the life of our Lord Jesus. And so baptism speaks of letting go of our old life, right? Uh, it was a, definitely a key marker for Taryn and I. It was kind of like the line in the sand when we got out that water. And we were certainly new. And I know many of you will relate to that. Uh, some people have a more powerful water baptism than others. It was depending on our background before Christ, BC days. Often there's an effect. But it's both a burial and a coming to life. And I'm sure you can relate to them both. Uh, but it's also accepting that everything from this moment has changed. When I'm fully immersed in him, I can never go back to who I was. I'll be tempted, absolutely. But I know that my identity and who I am now uh, is, is brand new, and it's not the old. And sometimes we need to wrestle with that truth, speak that truth over our minds. And, uh, and that's taking thoughts captive, and that's spiritual warfare, and we can go on and on. But I wanted to say that following Jesus or Christianity or um, being a disciple I like this a better phrase. Being a disciple 
can only work if we're fully immersed in Jesus. And I think the greatest challenge, you probably agree, is there's so many believers around the world that believe in him, but maybe aren't ongoingly believing in the Lord. So believe in him once or believe in him in, in fact. Last week I shared in Greenwood this thing of taking facts and making it truth. Many people believe in who, what we believe about Christ, but it's just fact and information. And it hasn't become truth because they haven't had the Holy Spirit side to go with the truth of the word. The Holy Spirit makes the facts applicable and it becomes truth. And you actually live as a disciple. It's quite sad for me. One of the saddest things I think on this side of life, I think many will one day look back and say, I missed it. I missed walking with Jesus. I missed being fully immersed. So uh, God wants to take the fully surrendered, and he will do great things in the fully surrendered. We know, but when we are fully surrendered and fully immersed, only then can he make a beautiful story out of your and my life. Isn't that so? So I want to ask Maurice and Rochelle to come and help me with my preach for a moment. But they have three minutes <laughs> to just share about being immersed. Recently, they were immersed in water and then touched by the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's been a fast track of their journey, and a lot of it has to do with their good friends, Devil and Annette have been in, sowed into their lives as great friends. And we've watched from a distance as um, even through water baptism, it was these guys who were doing the teaching and the encouraging, and we were able to stand up until they were ready. And they'll just explain why it was a big step and why God has done so much as they've thrown themselves fully in. So. <laughs> Good morning, family. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, as Neil um, briefly said earlier, we are originally from the Free State. So, obviously, the Free State is very, an Afrikaans community, very conservative. So, we both grew up in very old, traditional, uh, conservative Afrikaans churches. She was in the Ingekerk, I was in the Hervormde Kerk, which is basically both part of the Free Sister churches. So, for me, growing up in church, uh, I struggled as a kid because there were no life. You go to church and, and there's teachings on on, on, on the scripture, but you don't see life, you don't find life, and even if you look at the, at the lives of, of the, the Duomini and the senior people in church, something for me was just missing. Um, and then coming to Cape Town, being invited to Josh Jen, um, Rochelle will, shall, will share shortly how, how we got into Josh Jen and how that happened, but suddenly it was the opposite. You could see life in people, you could see Jesus in people, you can see and, and basically feel the, the Holy Spirit. So we were recently um, baptized, um, and since then, for me, everything has changed because it's almost like a tangible feeling of the Holy Spirit that I felt numerous times after. I had it this morning during worship, and it was something you never had and never experienced it, um, in my old church. So, so it's really something very special and very powerful. Hi, everyone. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so basically we got invited to Josh Jen, and coming from, like Maria said, um, churches that were different from what Josh Jen is, um, the first two times we visited, I know our com always joke with us saying, it's a miracle you came back, because <laughs> the first two times were farewells, so um, they were probably thinking, oh, these people are not going to come back because they must think everyone's leaving. <laughs> and then I started asking myself, but why did we go back? Because, I mean, everything is different. People were jumping up. People were praying in tongues. It's completely different from what we grew up with. And then I realized um, the difference came in. What made us come back was the heart of the people. 
and the way they were modeling Jesus. Like, um, people were just, like, so friendly. Like, I was asking Maurice, what are, what's wrong with these people? They're so friendly, you know. It can't be real. And then I realized, but it is real because they've got the hearts of Jesus and they're modeling it. They're not only preaching it, but they're modeling it. And that's where the difference came in. And then ultimately, we joined Josh Jane officially um, in October last year. And then in February, we got baptized. And ever since, we've just experienced spiritual growth. It's been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. This is, what it's, this is what it's all about. It's to see people's life change. Lives change in front of your eyes, isn't it? But you see, that's the testimony of the Lord walking with us and amongst us. And the beauty is that they haven't, uh, they've fully immersed themselves into the life of the church. There's been no half in or dipping the toe in. And, and as a result, it's the Lord is doing what he can do with a surrendered life and a committed life. Uh, second question, do you see the do nots or do you see the rich blessings or do you see the I have tos or do you actually see or have the I want tos welling up inside of us? It's a good question to ask. Is that even as Sean was uh, sharing on finance, is you either see finance as I get to and I want to or I have to or I must do. And there's a huge difference because one is, is full of the Holy Spirit, the other one is in the flesh. And one's going to be really difficult. One's going to be full of life. So I asked that question because in uh, Old, Old Testament Scripture, Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, uh, Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, hey, Ryan is on it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. So usually if one is not wholehearted, they're generally half-hearted, <laughs> which means uh, you're holding something back more than I'm not giving everything. But I think often in our heart where only the Lord can see, He can see parts that we withhold. Maybe it's anar, maybe it's a part that's hard to bring into the light, but we are not wholehearted if we hold on or keep part of our heart back from Him and therefore from His people and His church. We will never uh, be those that fully walk in our get to. What a rich blessing that I get to. It's, not, it's never that I have to. It's only that I want to. And we can all live in that place. That, I believe that that's what the Lord has for us. That's the more that he has for us, isn't it? One of the many mores that he has for us. So half-hearted, half-heartedness mostly in, ends up in do-nots. But also you miss the blessings of what it's like to be fully immersed always in the Lord. Um, and the thing is that the wholehearted people inherit. Because like Caleb and Joshua... Two of 12, so 10 missed it. And two had a different spirit according to God. And there was something about Caleb and Joshua that is so wonderful to get out of the numbers account and some of the others. To really see what, what was it about the different spirit that those guys had. But they, I think the big thing was that they, didn't, they weren't about dipping their toe in. They didn't look and see the giants and the problems like Lilani's word. They could have looked like the other 10 and gone, giants? There's no chance we can take that enemy. But they saw with a different perspective, and they said, they didn't even say giants. They just said, the Lord said we'll have the victory. The Lord said we'll inherit. So therefore, we go. And I think for you guys and for us in our territories, we can't look at the giants. We have to have a perception, a perspective of what God says over us. And then as we give ourselves fully immersed, wholeheartedly, You'll see what he'll do with our lives. It's, it's the story of the Bible. 
So, um, and, and it's that thing of like being wholehearted is, you know, you either tithe, you either give God lordship over our finance or you don't. There isn't really a half measure that works. And I think of Jesus, that one of the scariest things he's ever said is that thing of, if you're lukewarm, you know, rather be cold. Like, really, Lord? Would you rather I go be B.C. Neil, which was very cold? Yeah, and in fact, Jesus is rather go back to that life if you're not going to be hot or wholehearted for me. Because in the middle, Jesus says, I will spit you out. And I think like, you either tithe or you don't. You know, you either worship fully or you don't worship. You know, a half-hearted worship, I think, is uglier in the Lord's eyes than no worship at all. You know what I mean? Like, you either give yourself or you don't in, in the eyes of, of, of eternity. That, that's what he's looking for from us. You either obey or you, how, how do you half obey? I've always wondered. Can you half-heartedly obey? You can't. Because you either obey or you don't. So be one or the other. <laughs> so rather be obedient, even when it hurts. Like the Achenbachs and others. They've had to leave so much behind, but then they brought so much with. So Lisi's here, so they'll be okay. <laughs> you can leave all of City Bowl behind, but bring Lisi and you'll be fine. <laughs> Lisi, she was in our very first, very first community group. How's that? We knew nothing, and then Lisi came and helped us. And then we were supported. It was 2010. Long time ago, eh? Yeah. Lisi was, yeah, such a good friend, still is. Um, so that's two questions. Uh, maybe a little story about being wholehearted. I, don't, I was never in the army because I'm too young. I missed that boat. Sorry, Sean, did you go? Sorry. <laughs> Just missed it as well. <sighs> Bruce said, yeah, yeah. We should have gone. Would be good for us. <clears throat> Would be good for me. <laughs> but I read a story about war, and it goes like this, that in World War II, some of you might even relate, that the safest pilots in World War II were the most gung-ho ones. So the wholehearted type of pilots were the ones who were the safest, the ones who went crashing in. The ones who held back and tried to play it safe, they were picked out by the enemy. So that's the story, is that as you try to play it safe or be half-hearted in war, you get shot down. The pilots who were crazy wholehearted safely navigated through war. And I think we're in a war. How much more for us? Safest place to be, gung-ho for Jesus. Gung-ho, wholehearted, nothing in the middle. I feel that that's what the Lord has for us, doesn't he? He knows what's safe for us. It doesn't always look like we understand safety in our economy. So third question, are we attenders or disciples? Matthew 28, the Great Commission, 18 to 20. I'll read those two verses. Then Jesus came to them, disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So here we have a generation that we live in, but God knew we would be in this time. But you and I both know, if we search our hearts, that many of us find it easy to attend church even occasionally because it's part of the culture or how we've grown up. And we don't really ever become a disciple. We have people that... In our lives, we might see in this boat where they attend, but they're not a disciple. They're not getting on with the Great Commission 
in their own right as a man or woman or child or family. And this thing is, you cannot get on with what God's called us, every one of us to. You cannot disciple anyone unless you're being discipled first. You need to know that someone in your life knows everything about you and is walking you into more. Devil and Annette were just two that have been used to disciple Morris and Rochelle and others. But they first are being discipled. They're just not running around aimlessly discipling friends. They're walking with others and being learning to follow. And as you follow well, what happens? God gives you many that will follow you. Good followers make good leaders. Actually, if you can't follow, you can't lead in God's household. I think it actually transpires into the workplace and everywhere, actually. It's God's principles of the kingdom of heaven for us on the earth. So good followers make good leaders. That's the point. And um, I think the other challenge, if you look around the world, many are just looking for enough of God, enough of His Spirit to self-medicate the problems of life. If you're sitting on the chair only looking practically into the world, you're going to see the problems that you have, and you're going to take from God, or you're going to attempt to at least, what benefits He can give me to just medicate through life's problems, and you're going to miss what it is to be a disciple. You're going to miss everything. You'll just stay in the attending role, attending and attending to maybe the issues I have. Can God come and medicate me? Because He's a good God. But God says something so different to us. He says, take care of my household. Look after my people. Put my church first. Put me first. I'll take care of your household, your issues, your practical challenges. <laughs> I won't get him to come and share now, but that man at the back, Shell, he carries quite a high-powered job in the city of Cape Town. I've been told that in terms of the tech digital game. He's the sought-after man in the city. Rion was, but he's moved. No. <laughs> but Rion knows the industry. And when I met Shell, he had 100 people that he had to lead in a team. There's a lot of people. I think it's like 80 now. Please, Lord, bring it down a bit. Because so. there's a lot in his life, like everyone else's life. There's, and he, you know, he submitted a big decision to us recently. Uh, he had me and uh, uh, Ross Lahana for coffee to lead elders, and then he was a bit shivering with his coffee, like, I got both of you for coffee, and I, like, this is amazing, like, we'll give ourselves to spend time with the saints, like, the fact that he also could make the time is a huge thing, because he does carry a lot in the marketplace, but he needed a, he wanted to submit a decision to the two of us, uh, two congregations, I won't give you the details why, but um, it was such a beautiful exchange, because what we were able to say back to this man is that, not many people would do that, would bring a life decision and say, guys, what do you think? Not just one of you, but it kind of affects both congregations. I'd love perspective from both. And we were like, this is incredible because you realize how many people miss that opportunity. It's maybe one, two, maybe three in 10 that get that right. Others often go ahead and could have got the perspective beforehand and miss it. And what we said to Shell is that that uh, humility of heart um, is a beautiful sign of God can make a disciple out of you. And as you follow like that, watch what he'll do about making others follow you one day. There'll be leadership that he will give because of your heart and your posture and your, the way that you, you live out your faith. So well done, bro. <laughs> it makes our job easier. Yes. 
come share. Makes, it makes our role a lot easier to take people forward in the kingdom. That was a long jog. Um, <laughs> it was quite scary to have two lead elders. Uh, I mean, me submitting a decision to two lead elders, I must tell you now, but uh, what, what really convicted me to go for it was also a piece of scripture. Uh, Proverbs 16.3, just commit everything you do to the Lord. And um, after reading that, I just felt like really compelled to come and share that decision and come and obviously seek guidance from the lead elders in terms of what I should do next. Because all my life I've been leading by making all of my decisions and working across, you know, doing everything on my own strength. But yeah. that's not the way that the Lord wants you to live. No, don't, don't do everything on your own strength. You don't, you're not strong enough, trust me. You're not strong enough. Who's the strongest? Right up there. So in everything you do, commit to the Lord, please. Yeah. You know, you watch the Lord work. As you make one quality decision after another, you'll see how it works. I would, want to, I would never say that Shell is, a, is a, a proud man, but he's a capable man. And because he's capable, um, he's had to learn things that maybe not everyone would have to learn at the same rate or capacity. Because he's had to learn that just, even though he can do it, in the kingdom of God, it's not whether we can do it or not. It's whether God has our heart and what he does with our posture that impresses him. It's a, to it's a totally different world. Different, and he's moved fast in each of these guys' lives. I actually normally always say, can, who wants to come or we're going on a trip? But I asked these guys specifically to come. Because none of them right now are playing, none of them community leaders or deacons or elders. The devil and Annette oversee our kids, and they're going to probably take the reins of kiddies fully. They are incredible with the children in Greenpoint. Our kids love them, and uh, um, they're going to take the reins of that, which we're very excited about. But I know that in all of these guys, there's leadership, and there's something that God is going to do in the future. And it's just so beautiful to see that he has that for every single one of us. Despite whether he gives you a, a, a role in an office or not, he has leadership for every life. We are all called to disciple others, which is leadership. And so... Um, Last question. Uh, do you consume? It's kind of linked to number three. Do you consume or do you participate? And uh, another Old Testament uh, classic is from Haggai, chapter one, verse three and four. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you to yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruins? And then in verse nine, he says, Where's my verse now? Oh, there we go. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Can you imagine? Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Old Testament, but we can relate, because we're not called to only consume in God's house, but to serve him and to serve his household as a priority. And that's the laying down and the surrendering of our lives for him and what's important to him. It will always be the testing ground, this, of, of our lives. The testing ground um, for God's people is our relationship to his household is the, is the greatest test of life. So Haggai said it. Since people are only concerned with their own issues and their own problems and the practicals of their life, he said, God's house is in ruins. He called him out. And he said, the people, you're not having breakthrough in your life. Guess why? Because your priorities are wrong. Turn them around. Even came through in worship. Turn the pro pro priorities around. Get the right 
heavenly vision perspective, and you'll see the breakthrough. Amen? Amen. So a quick one on consumers. Generally, I hope that's not us, but I think humility will show that sometimes this creeps in. So we all need to be very aware. And when we smell it or snuff it out, we, we, get, we, get, we get busy with God immediately. So here are some consumer traits. <laughs> Window shopping, <laughs> deal checking. But consumer traits in the house of God is this. I arrive asking, I hope the sermon's going to be good today. Or I hope so-and-so is on worship that I really get the kick I need because I haven't, I haven't connected with God all week. And then the worship's a bit flat and you go, consumer mode goes, I didn't meet my needs, Lord. Or person, or Kevin, or Sean with the preach, or Neil expecting something else, didn't get my kick. Consumer attitude. Or you arrive at 10 past 9, or 10 past 10 in your case, and leave immediately after the service. Sometimes we have to go. But generally, you haven't even come to greet a new person. You know, the very, the very basics of a Sunday is you can say, Lord, give me a new person. Give me a visitor. Give me one person that's different to me that I've never connected with. Give me your heart for them. Participate. Or you never be expect God to use you in any way, even in home group setting. I'm not ending on a Sunday, but generally no expectation that he will use you. You've got a consumer mindset, and he wants to change it and call you to be a participator. Participators look like this. They pray during the week. They arrive to home group. They arrive to meetings. They arrive on a Sunday having tried to hear the Lord for somebody else. Even if you don't have the perfect word or scripture, just as like encouragement, I think, goes a long way. We probably miss it in life. And probably today, people need encouragement way more than ever before. Maybe, maybe in the war times, different. But right now, it's a different war time. People are lonely and need lots of encouragement. We can be encouragers to others if we, put, we can participate in that way um, as a lifestyle. And participators also stop, uh, sorry, step out. And trust God to grow spiritual gifts inside of us. He wants to give gifts, not to those that are qualified, but to those that are available who want to participate. He will share his gifts with you. He surprises us with that all the time. Like, Lord, you shared, that. You shared your gifts with us. You used us in that way. Uh, why? Because we made ourselves available. And we said we'll participate. It's been the story of our lives. We just said we will participate, Lord, no matter the cost. Come and use us. Participators also come and ask God, um, they ask him this, I, I know I hear in part, but perhaps my part hearing, if I participate in this way, my part hearing, you see what happened this morning, others had part hearing, and slowly a picture gets built as each of us participate. And that's the beauty of a Sunday or a gathering once a week, is that the different voices come, the different ears come, and in part, generally the Lord speaks very clearly. And he's done something this morning. I'm hugely encouraged by how he's shared and spoken. And, but that doesn't always happen when you're in, on your own with your family. Even the home group setting is a smaller setting. But in this place, we can participate more than in most places. Even our gatherings and those big meetings. It's difficult to participate these days because they're huge. But your, your time's like this. And that's why the church uh, is growing the way it is with smaller communities all over the world. Because when we're gathered in this number, or even up to 100, 120 or so, we can still all participate, play our role, and grow. Amen? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there and ask us just to 
consider those questions. And I'll run through them again. Um, for the believers, for us that know the Lord, is to ask ourselves, are we fully immersed in Him? And uh, second question, do we know, do we, do we live but the do-nots? Do we see the do-nots or do we see the our get-tos and the rich blessings of following Him? Or are we attending or are we discipling? Are we attenders or are we disciples following Him and taking others with us? And do, we, do you consume or do you participate as a lifestyle? Which of those? And, uh, and I felt like God wanted to highlight one or two of them really for us today. And um, I felt like I'd read one more scripture out of 1 Thessalonians, a different portion, but chapter 5, verse 9. Paul writes this, For God did not appoint us to suffer his wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I felt like just as maybe we can, we can close our eyes and just stand together. I wanted to remind us of salvation. Come, let's stand together, stretch our legs, and just if we can keep our, our hearts quiet before the Lord and even close our eyes and just turn our attention to Him for a moment. I'll read that scripture again. But the beauty of God's word in Thessalonians is this, that chapter 5, verse 9, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, to suffer his punishment. That wasn't his appointed plan. But actually it was to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I don't know everyone here in Gordon's Bay, but I do know this, that you can't answer those four questions until you know salvation, until you know Jesus Christ as Savior. Only then can you begin to walk with him as Lord, where he begins to help you with those questions turn you into a follower and, you know, change your perspective. Show you how to participate. Prioritize his household. None of that will make any sense until you move from being an object of his wrath or punishment to becoming an object of his love and his mercy and his salvation and his grace. And I wanted to make a very simple invite request to anyone that has never put your faith in Jesus Christ, in his life, which followed his burial, which followed his death, which followed his walk as a man on earth, as God on the earth. He died for you and he died for me and he made a way for salvation to come. And it's through no one else but Jesus Christ alone that salvation is found. It comes from him, it's through him, and it will be with him forever as we see him now and into eternity. So I wanted to ask, if anyone's never put your entire trust and surrendered your whole heart, wholeheartedly, your whole life, and put it into his hands, that I believe in the name of Jesus and I choose to follow him with everything. If you've never, ever done that before, please would you show me your hand because I would love to invite you into the most precious relationship of my life and many of our lives. Even if that's you and you, you're mulling over that and you're not sure, even if you're not sure, make sure. You'd rather give me a wave or come and chat to me afterwards or Sean or Rian, just to make certain that you're in him and with him. Because without him, without him, you'll never get these questions right. There'll never be a priority shift in your heart. He's the one who leads us and he's the one who does it. And he's the one who shapes our hearts. Amen? Okay, then just for us, the church, for us, felt to just hover on two things. We know Him. We're walking with Him. But sometimes our priorities get 
shifted and warped and changed. So you recognize one of two things. I felt that there'd be a response and uh, now how we respond to what we do with it. But if in your heart of hearts, you recognized a bit of half-heartedness, just the Lord put his finger said, in some ways there's been half-heartedness. I've dipped my toes in there and I haven't been fully immersed. Just allow him to speak. Just allow him to highlight that thing. And the second one, those of us that know him and serve him, you've realized that at times you haven't participated fully. And at times there's been more consuming than participating. I feel like the Lord wants to change that today. Those two things, if you recognize even a hint, even a hint of one of those questions, allow him to come into your heart today. And I'm not going to ask for jumping into the front or running to the front, but I just want to ask if one, one of those two points stick to you. Won't you just raise your hands that I can see? Everyone's eyes will be closed. But I'd love to pray over you for either one of two. Thank you, ma'am. Just to keep your, your hands up and one of two of us can actually come around you and pray. You keep your eyes closed if you're responding to, to that. And, and I'm sure some can come around you. Some of our Greenpoint group will come around you. I really feel like as you say, that's me, Lord, I, have, I recognize that actually by faith, he will do something in your heart as you respond to him. And he'll do it through brothers and sisters in the household. That's how he works. And just allow the Lord to minister over you. So I'm going to share it again for anyone who didn't hear. Do you recognize half-heartedness? You want to be wholehearted for Him. You recognize something of consumer has come into me, and I want to participate fully with you, Jesus. Just allow Him to work, man. Just raise your hand so someone can see you, a friend next to you, and just allow Him into that place. Amen? And I'll pray for us. Well, you guys are praying for some folk. I'd love to just pray for us and then give over to Sean. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word, for your truth that's lasted the test of time. I thank you that uh, we're no different to your church, your followers over history. We do drift and we do have uh, challenges, Lord, but you are bigger than and greater than. And we just want to thank you that by your spirit, you call us to live victorious lives and so become like model churches, like in Thessalonica. You see that for your people, that we can walk in the more and in victory and in breakthrough. And so we thank you that you're with us. You don't leave us only with your word and facts and truth, but you leave us with your spirit who comes into our hearts and changes us to become just like you. And so I thank you for your presence even now. And even now as people respond, Lord, that you would work into the hearts of men and women and you would shift and change things in an instant because that's what you do. And that you love heart postures that are open to your work. You love humble hearts that attracts you. Faith attracts you, Lord. So I thank you for faith even welling up in your people in Gordon's Bay, a faith that attracts your presence, a faith that says, Lord, I know that I need you in greater degrees today. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Come work in us, Lord. Amen. So I'm just going to ask, uh, I'm just going to let Neil stand here with me. Now, the thing is, it's, we can listen to these messages and it can be head knowledge and, uh, and we don't let it penetrate our hearts. But there's just a sense that, that God doesn't just want you to participate. He doesn't just want you to be part of and he, he wants to add you to family. 
and that there's something so joyful and so beautiful about being able to join arms with other believers and serve God. Like Neil comes here with his wife Taryn and he brings his guys to come and be a blessing to us. They'll go away and we continue. We continue together. But they've deposited something this morning and there's just a real sense that as we give ourselves primarily to Jesus, we then give ourselves to each other. And I loved how, how much interaction there was today. There was guys coming up and sharing their testimonies and sharing what they've, their victories and what God has done in their lives. And that's the story. That's why we participate. That's why we give ourselves to Him so that we can go and be a blessing. And I want to thank you guys because I think we're doing really well as a body. I think we don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of participators. And even for those of you who are responding, I think it's actually just deeper commitment rather than lack of commitment. So I want to say to us, Gordons, but I think we're doing well. But I want to say, I think there's a lot more. So Father, I pray that you would take us into so much more. That this morning's preach would just be a perception changer. It would just be almost a tool in our toolbox. That we could go forward from this place with a greater sense of purpose. With a greater sense of, hey, this is about us. It's not about them and it's not about me. It's about us and Jesus going into all the world for His glory. Come and do it, Lord. Come and do it. Set our hearts on fire. Let us not be lukewarm, but set us on fire, Lord, for You and for Your kingdom and for that which You love, which is Your people. Father, we ask this that You come and do this by Your Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.